the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join our conversation and K-12 education, as we believe, is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Mm. And always good to be with you, Abigail, covering these very important topics that are coming at breakneck speed uh, here in the Minnesota legislature now that they've got the trifecta. Yes, and they are. They're moving very quickly. So we are once again having a fantastic expert here on the show. We are um, going to be speaking with Katrin Wigfall. Katrin is a policy fellow at the Center for the American Experiment, and we will be discussing some of the bait and switch techniques that are occurring with this ethnic studies bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of these, you know, things that they're they're saying about the bill, man, they sound they sound great. They sound like things. Hey, we can all agree on these things. Right. That is not the same thing, though, as what is actually in the legislation. Mm-hmm. And so Katrin is here with us today to talk about that, but also talking about an exciting event that mm-hmm. will be happening in Minnesota and a fantastic speaker that they will be hosting. So Katrin, yes. welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Katrin has been on our show quite a few times, actually, in the past. And, you know, one of the things I do want to point out before we get started is, Katrin, you actually were a teacher at some point in time, too. And I think it's important for listeners to know that as you're assessing what we're seeing happening in the schools, um, you actually have some classroom experience to back up, you know, some of the things that you're saying and the concerns that you're raising. And so I think that's good for people to know. Um, but we have covered extensively the ethnic studies on this show. And actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I had Catherine Kirsten on to discuss this very legislation. Um, but one of the things that we didn't spend a lot of time talking about, in, a, in addition to the bait and switch, um, as, as um, Abigail mentioned, but the fact that a lot of this is linked to California mm-hmm. and the, stan- the ethnic standards that they've um, implemented there. And, of course, that inspired the push here in K-12, um, the social studies standards, and the the new um, legislation to embed it into all K-12 standards. So maybe just as a refresher for our listeners who may not have heard some of these previous shows, can you just give a quick overview of, you know, the social studies standards, which I think people probably have heard about, and those have not yet been fully approved by the legislative law or the, yeah, the legislative law judge yet. 
Um, and then what's being proposed now in the current legislature and how do they relate to one another? So we see social studies standards in Minnesota being rewritten in a way that reflects efforts in California to uh, mandate ethnic studies in classrooms and as a graduation requirement. And we see that now coming into Minnesota, as I mentioned, through the social studies standards. Uh, they are now uh, including social or ethnic studies within the social studies definition. And so it would be a fifth strand along with U.S. history, geography, economics, uh, and civics. And a lot of the concerning language within the standards and the benchmarks is being played off of with the ethnic studies bill. And I think that's very important for listeners to understand because state statute currently does not include ethnic studies in the social studies standards definition. Right. That's a new piece, new addition. Exactly. By adding that and its concerning standards uh, and benchmarks, you know, some that are called resistance, uh, uh, identity, we see that the legislature is kind of trying to play catch up and say, oh, wait a minute, if ethnic studies is part of our social studies standards, we need state law to reflect that. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, is what's driving all of these ethnic studies related bills, Mm -hmm. from making it a graduation requirement to saying it's now part of social studies, but then also we need to embed it through all K-12 academic standards and benchmarks. And so... The social studies standards revision process really sheds a light on where this push is coming from and also the committee members that were selected to serve on that committee show that there are outside organizations who are who are really driving a lot of this. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when we think about where this is coming from, you know, you mentioned California and Public schools are being used as the vehicle for really early exposure to this very liberated ideology that will divide classrooms. Mm -hmm. One of those outside organizations um, that I think you're referring to is the Minnesota Ethnic Studies Coalition, the MESC. And that was just formed, I think, wasn't it in 2019, maybe? It's a pretty recent group. Is that right? They're a pretty recent group, and another key driver of this is the Education for Liberation Network with a Minnesota chapter. So uh, the Education for Liberation Network was key uh, to passing California's ethnic studies course requirement. And now they have a Minnesota chapter, and it's the first state chapter. So Hmm. let this be a lesson to other states Uh that this Education for Liberation Network uh, is really trying to divide classrooms and and hijack definitions of words that we should all be able to get behind. So Mm -hmm. that's a key organization to, uh, to be aware of as uh, as other states maybe see pushes for for ethnic studies coming their way. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, one of the things that you mentioned as you were describing this was some of the new standards. So now that people can have an understanding of what this is and why there's a push at the state level, which is really 
to justify their adding of that fifth strand when they rewrote the standards, right? As you said, they're trying to catch up and say, oh, no, 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 this is legislated. So we can have that fifth standard in there and, or fifth strand in there. Um, but you mentioned that some of these strand, uh, standards are going to be embedded if, if this legislation passes, not just in the social studies standards, but in all K-12 mm-hmm. academic standards. And you mentioned some of these standards and some of the words that they um, mention. Can you go into a little bit more detail on that and what those standards are? And then we can kind of transition into the bait and switch document that the center has put out. Sure. I think it's important for listeners to know that there are certain themes driving the ethnic studies standards. And they all revolve around group identity based on race. Uh, viewing life as this power struggle between oppressors and victims, and that American history is really just this shameful story of domination, marginalization, and injustice. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very narrow perspective to have of our very complicated history, and it's also a very narrow perspective to teach students to view themselves and the rest of society. So in ethnic studies, it's often framed as, you know, just trying to uh, understand unique histories of the many social and and different ethnic groups that have contributed to our state and country. Well, no one disagrees with the importance of that. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned when we first started talking, it's looking at the actual definitions and the words used. Mm -hmm. And within the standards, we see standards that would require students to organize to resist Uh, America's systemic abuse of power against marginalized, oppressed groups. Mm. And there's an entire standard that is called that resistance. And interesting, Um, that that would apply to K-12, right? Because that would be, it's a standard, but then it gets played out in different ways, starting in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Is that correct? Correct, yes. So there's there's different um, benchmarks for each grade, um, and then ninth through twelfth grade high school is all lumped together. So those benchmarks just have to be taught at some point throughout a, a student's high school journey. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you think of even a, a kindergartner yeah. learning an ethnic studies benchmark, they they have to quote retell a story about an unfair experience that conveys a power imbalance. Yeah, uh, I oh mean these gosh. are kindergartners, these are, right? <laughs> maybe maybe they're going to come and say, "Well, my mom yeah. <laughs> told me I had to clean I my room," <laughs> right? And when I didn't, I didn't, didn't, I didn't get dessert. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, the thing that I want our listeners to understand, because I think so many people, their quick thought is, "Well, that's not so bad. What's so wrong with that?" But I want people to think about how much time this takes. There's mm-hmm. a limited school day. And these are kindergartners, first graders, second graders. What should they be focused on learning in kindergarten, first and second grade? Reading, writing, and math. And by the way, we're failing yeah. dismally at yes, reading at and math. So maybe yes. <laughs> let's refocus. But again, I mean, if you look, there's just a common theme with all of these words Catherine was talking about, that, that they're changing the definition of words. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is something that people need to be aware of is, you know, a power struggle. Yeah. Well, what does that, what does that yeah. teach people to focus on? Mm-hmm. The um, negative. The negative, mm-hmm. the ways that we're different, the ways mm-hmm. that um, we're divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And if someone hears that over and over and over and over, guess what? They're going to believe it. Yeah. If we're not yep. teaching, you, mm-hmm. you're right, we're teaching this very select part of history, which mm-hmm. some of which is true, absolutely, mm-hmm. but it, you need context. Mm-hmm. You need context for all of it. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you, you also, um, I know we've talked about this in the past, but the word resist implies action. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we see throughout these standards is there's a real emphasis on activism and basically mm-hmm. kind of developing young activists for the progressive cause. Do you want to address that a little bit too, Katrin? Yes, we see that language uh, in the standards, but now we're also seeing it embedded into teacher licensure requirements. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked about this a lot on yeah. on your show, but I think it's worth repeating that you know teachers have to most teachers are, are have to learn how to incorporate these alienating messages and ideas into the classroom from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we can trace it back to uh, the teacher licensing rule requirements and what teacher preparation programs are are emphasizing in their programs. And now there are uh, rule changes that will say that the teachers have to, you know, promote students to be social agents of, of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, when we're struggling to help students learn basic, basic, basic right. uh, numeracy and literacy skills. Yeah. This is not what we should be focused on in the classroom. Yeah. In addition to that, one thing that continually runs through my mind when I hear that, that resistance, activism, what mm-hmm. I think is, you know, when you are encouraging a child or an adult, but mostly children, to be an activist, what I think of and what I think most people are recognizing is go and protest, go into the streets, mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. and yell and scream and basically become a mob mm-hmm. and see who, if you're just loud enough and you scream enough or you corner, and we're seeing this now all over the news where this type of thing is happening. We saw it with BLM mm-hmm. for sure. Um, is that really teaching someone productive ways of change? I mean, even if we just, you know, fundamentally disagree on some of these terms and the actions that should be taken, what you're teaching a child is yell really, really loud Mm -hmm. instead of what can you do? You know, who can you be kind to? Who can you, what, how can you learn about this issue and, and be a voice, a persuasive voice? We can, we can just, you know, have a discussion with kindness and respect. We're not teaching kids any of that. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them if you don't like something, you don't need to educate yourself on the context of this issue. Just go out and basically throw a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and, right. and and we are as a society rewarding that. Yeah. I and mean, we saw that in, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many kids, thanks to the BLM riots, how many kids who were hungry got lunch? Or breakfast mm-hmm. or any sort of nutrition or education because of those riots and that the looting that happened. Yeah. None. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what we're teaching kids. That's what the, the activism and resisting means. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, again, even if we disagree on how to go about things, if people are actually looking at themselves and saying, what can I do? How can I be kind? How can I be, you know, at least then that's doing something productive again. And not everyone has to agree mm-hmm. on, you know, how that's gone about yeah respectful dialogue is not what they are being taught no yeah let's let's talk Catherine, about and and we do also want to get to the school choice rally but let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about the bait and switch um 
uh, piece that Center of the American Experiment put together. And I know that there are many listed here. And so maybe you could pick a few that you think are the most important for us to share with our listeners. Yes, as you mentioned, there are so many, and we have a very helpful website page on our our main website, AmericanExperiments.org, that lists out all of the language in the bills and how it's a, a switch for, mm-hmm. and then the bait that's that's how it's being framed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for listeners to understand is when you listen to public testimony or the authors of the bills introducing their bills and framing what it's about, they do not read the actual language of the bills. <laughs> uh, yes. And so you get this, you know, idea that ethnic studies as once formerly understood um, about, you know, teaching the unique histories of of different social and ethnic groups and valuing our multi-ethnic democracy and, and that sort of thing is what these these bills focus on, and it's it's just not based in reality when you look at the actual text. And so I know several uh, of us who testified against these bills made sure to read the actual language. And so I think of, you know, if we even if we just look at how ethnic studies is defined in the bills, mm-hmm. uh, the omnibus bill did remove the word critical. Uh, there was a lot of pushback on the use of, you know, ethnic studies means the critical interdisciplinary study of race, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change what the definition is rooted in. Right. And it doesn't change this, this really, this push for these critical social justice ideas uh, that the, the language is rooted in. Mm-hmm. And we see that when it talks about ethnic studies will analyze the ways in which race and racism have been and continue to be powerful social, cultural, and political forces and the connection of race to the stratification of other groups, including stratification based on gender, class, disability, sexuality, religion, and legal status. And then there's also words like anti-racism and institutional racism that are trying to be put into law. And these words have foundationally adversarial definitions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you look at how anti-racist is defined, it's defined as actively working to identify and eliminate racism which we should all be able to support. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. But it continues mm-hmm. so that power and resources are redistributed and shared equitably among mm-hmm. racial mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. And that is Marxism right there. There you I mean, go. That's that's what it is, really, mm-hmm. right? Wouldn't you say, Katrin? It is. Yeah. And and we're we're embedding that into state law and saying that this is what K-12 education has to be uh built off of, uh, including the definition of institutional racism that says structures, policies, and practices within and across institutions produce outcomes that chronically favor white people and disadvantage those who are black, indigenous, and people of color. Mm -hmm. This is a a blanket statement for the very real disparities we still face as a society, but by labeling all of these disparities under a single variable of racism, that that Mm -hmm. does not help us find solutions to them. Right. And the, the ironic thing that I always like to remind our listeners of is that the very people pushing this are the same ones that are anti-choice when it comes to education. Mm -hmm. Because the real disparity 
is in the realm of education. Many of these children of color are in terrible schools, and they're not being given the opportunities to get out of those schools. So instead, well, let's just change the rules. We're just going to make everything equitable, which, you know, we use that word equitable in our in our culture, not always exactly the way it's meant to be. You know, we all want equality for people. But equitable means trying to have the same outcome regardless level, level of the playing field, yes, the and, results rather than the opportunity. Yeah. And the and the problem with that is that then what you do is you inevitably just lower standards for everyone. And now you're not giving anyone the right educational options that they should be. And and really what we need to do is beef up the education system yes. so that everyone is getting an excellent education. That's true. That's true equ- equitability, in my opinion. That's true equality. Mm-hmm. And um, those kids that have that opportunity then can, can rise up mm-hmm. on their own. They don't need to be handed something or told something that isn't even necessarily true. Yes. Um, well, in talking about educational opportunities, um, we're, of course, the show is just moving so quickly. We yeah. want to make sure that we can discuss um, the fantastic event that um, the Center of the American Experiment is putting on. Katrin, mm-hmm. do you want to give us a little bit more detail on that? Yes. So Center of the American Experiment has been fighting for what we call real school choice since 1990, which would include private and religious schools. And especially now, as parents are concerned about what's being prioritized in K-12 classrooms, what students are and aren't learning, uh, the students who are being failed by a, a top-down system with clear shortfalls, uh, we really want to let legislators know and let Minnesotans across the state know that expanding education freedom is a must in Minnesota. Uh, and you see a, a call for this from uh, families across the political spectrum, from families in, in rural, suburban, and urban areas, from all demographics saying this is not working. We need access to the right setting for our child. And we firmly believe at American Experiment that access to a quality education should not just be for the rich. Mm-hmm. And too often, financial barriers are trapping students most in need of new opportunities in a failing school district. Mm-hmm. So we are excited to bring a national school choice expert and scholar to Minnesota on Wednesday, May 10th. Mm-hmm. His name is Corey DeAngelis. He's also an expert on homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And he He is going to talk about the future of school choice, funding student success, and really take the national conversation around school choice and apply it to Minnesota and and efforts going on within the state to make this a reality. Mm -hmm. So good. He is... You know, he—I he, should say—he has become extraordinarily well known. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just very profi- or prolific on Twitter. I guess if you want to follow Corey DeAngelis on Twitter, you know, look him up. Um, he is very—he's—he's he's talking about school choice all the time. And I know his name. I think became a little bit more well known after DeSantis. I think placed him on a board of that college that he's trying to Mm -hmm. save and kind of transform into more of a classical model, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right, Katrin? Is he on that board of that So he's, so I believe that's actually Chris Rufo. Oh, maybe that's just Christopher Rufo. Okay, sorry. I've got the two mixed up. I mean, in all honesty, I hope they're not offended, but they are, 
Yeah. They are, they have a lot of the same message and they're yeah. both extremely um, professional and proficient yes. at what they do. So yeah. it's easy to confuse them. Yep. 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 Thank you for that clarification. Um, but Corey DeAngelis will be here. You're holding a rally and where, can you tell us exactly where the rally is? I think it's good for us to hear some of these details and the time and everything. Yes. So the rally will be 3 p.m. Wednesday, May 10th, inside the Capitol, the Capitol Rotunda. Okay. And and then we'll following the rally, we'll just take a quick short walk down the road to the, the Radisson Hotel there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Corey will do a keynote. We'll have dinner. We'll have a social hour beforehand. And there will be a chance to talk with uh, schools and organizations and those and all, all really focused on expanding education freedom in the state. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have time for Q&A and a panel discussion. And I should note, for those who sign up for the event by May 1st, it's $35, dinners included, you'll receive a free copy, free signed copy of Corey's soon-to-be-released book. Uh, he wrote a book called Mediocrity, 40 Ways Government Schools Are Failing Today's Students. It has a foreword by Betsy DeVos, and he co-authored it with um, the author of the Tuttle Twins, if you're familiar with that children's series. Mm -hmm. So it's sure to be a a really good book. I've just started reading it. um, But for everyone who registers by May 1st, you'll get a free signed copy of it. Okay, that sounds great. And they can sign up through Center of the American Experiment or Minnesota Parent Alliance, or how do they sign up? Yes, both. So you can go to AmericanExperiment.org slash events, and there you'll see there the May 10th uh, flyer. You can purchase your tickets directly through that page. Mm-hmm. And um, the Minnesota Parents Alliance event, uh, MinnesotaParents.org, they, will, uh, they also have the event listed under their events tab. Okay. So we're proud to sponsor with them for this event and also Opportunity for All Kids and the Minnesota Parent Union. All right. That's great. What a great group of people coming together. That's fantastic. Um, maybe in our last minute or so, month and a half here or so, you could talk about how popular that school choice option is across all racial groups, all economic groups. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to share a little bit of that data? Because I think in Minnesota, you know, so many people say, well, there's no way we're ever going to get school choice in Minnesota. It's a blue state and what have you. And, and, you know, to be fair, there have been a lot of chance, a lot of, um, a lot, there has been a lot of effort, but it has not gone through, but we came close, um, in the last few years. And, but I think what's important for people to know is that even though this is a blue state for the most part, especially right now, there are people across all walks of life who really want this. Can you share some of that mm. data? Yes, absolutely. So American Experiment, we do a quarterly poll called Thinking Minnesota, and we've pulled on school choice a couple different times, and we have found support is 60-70% total um, across political spectrums and, and other demographics. National polls have found school choice support growing 70-80%. And so, you know, the, these numbers are so important as you think about uh, what's being prioritized at the legislature right. because legislators are not listening to their constituents on this. Mm-hmm. School choice, out of all the issues that, that I focus on and, and write on and, and discuss, this is the by far the one that has the most bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. And we should be able to come together on this 
for students and their futures. And so that's why we're so proud to host this event and partner with the groups that we are, uh, because it should be about the kids and, and putting them first. Yeah. And so... I, I know that there might be certain Minnesotans who, who think that this won't ever happen, uh, but it will if we have the grassroots involvement. Right. And that's why we're partnering with multiple organizations. We're gathering petition signatures. If you're interested, you can visit LetParentsChooseMN.com because we want to show legislators physical evidence of the number of Minnesotans who support this yeah. and really force them to uh, to explain their vote yeah. on school choice legislation. Wow, that is excellent. I'm so glad to hear all of this great progress, Katrin. And thank you so much for joining us tonight and enlightening us. And again, you can go to the Center of American Experiment for more information. Thanks again, Katrin. Have a good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.